Welcome to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers Podcast, where we share the latest information and views from industry leaders. I'm Liza Berger, editor of McKnight's Home Care. The workforce shortage continues to be one of the biggest challenges facing home care providers. Charlie Sun, CEO and founder of Bright Star Care, has come up with a solution, partnering with Chamberlain University on a home care curriculum for nurses. I recently sat down with Shelly, who told me more. I am here with Shelly Sun, CEO and founder of Bright Star Care. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Liza. We are in somewhat rainy Arizona at the Home Care 100 conference. You are speaking here about workforce issues. Tell us exactly what you're talking about and what Bright Star is up to in this area. We're excited to be kind of thinking outside the box. I mean, obviously, anything that we read says there's not going to be enough nurses to meet the demand that we're going to have. And so it was a really big, important initiative for me as to how we find more nurses that are going through nursing school to make them aware of home care as a setting of care. I think most of our graduates come out and they think they could only work in a hospital or only work in a nursing home, institutional settings. And how do we open their eyes to this growing environment of home care, especially with hospital at home, home health continuing to grow and make sure that they're more aware of it. So we reached out to Chamberlain Nursing Schools, which is the largest nursing school chain in the country, both in person and virtual, to say, could we partner together? We're willing to kind of roll up our sleeves and develop the curriculum for your nursing students. And being able to get that out with their nursing students, our hope will be whether it benefits Bright Star directly with new nursing grads in the future that can work for our brand, or just more nurses that are entering home care or home health in general. It's what our moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas are going to need to be able to receive more care in the home. And we want to be a part of the solution. And we think awareness and education is part of the solution. So what kind of outreach have you done? Are you offering classes? Are you talking to them, recruiting them? So we developed the curriculum, and then Chamberlain is using their marketing channels as they normally would to offer this class to their enrolled students as part of a concentration. And it's in six or seven in-person nursing schools as of this past fall, and it will expand to more areas across the country and virtually in 2024. Wow. And so far, the feedback has been very positive. So we're excited to see the impact it can have and continue to expand in the future. So does that mean possible internships with them at Bright Star or opportunities to shadow? Yeah. So the students that go through and pass their course, they can have an opportunity to do a 96-hour practicum. And our goal would be to have the locations where the nursing students are going to school. There be franchisee locations or company-owned locations near there that can offer those practicum assignments or partner with other home health organizations that are near those locations that could also fit the bill on trying to offer those internships for the nursing students so that those that graduate make either a choice to come into the home care or home health field and we expand those that we can hire or they decide it's not for them and we don't hire them and we don't spend valuable dollars and time on folks that are going to turn over. And I think that's the risk where nursing school programs have not exposed new grads to home care, home health, and then they come try it, 
And if it's not for them, they burn out in one to two years, and that's really expensive cost of turnover. So our goal is to get more interested, aware, let them try it. And if they see it as a fit for them, they come join Home Care or Home Health. And when do you expect to see some of this come to fruition? I think we will be able to start seeing new grads hired in 2025. Okay, very exciting. How unique would you say this type of relationship is? I think at the size and scale that it can be, very unusual. But I think I sat on a panel last year and two of our panelists had done something at the local nursing school, like a community college that had a nursing program there at a local level. So I think our hope will be to have more people in the audience reach out and get programs like these going in more areas across the country with more nursing schools and more home health collaboration because we're going to need to make sure that we're increasing our supply Mm -hmm. of nurses in the future and that they love home care. Is the driving force behind this the workforce shortage? Then would you also agree that it is still the biggest threat facing the industry? I think the shortage of nurses is absolutely what is holding back the ability to meet client demand. I mean, you hear most of the home health organizations say that they are only fulfilling 50%, 60% of inbound referrals because they don't have enough nurses. We need to be able to keep those seniors in their home, be able to access that type of care. And we need it as well for the home care side, non-Medicare reimbursed. And so I think labor shortage is a lot of what's driving it. I think in the future, hopefully advances in immigration, outreach in nursing schools, and then career pathing of helping our CNAs become nurses in the future are three great ways that we're going to need to solve our shortage of nurses to meet the demands of now and in the future. How is Bright Star coping with this problem these days? How is your retention and your recruitment looking? How is it comparing to, say, pre-COVID? Yeah, our retention numbers are strong. We've put a lot of effort into retention as opposed to putting a lot of effort into recruiting that they could just leak out, leak out. So we put a lot of focus on retention recognition programs. We've leveraged technology at scale to do that, make those tools available at our local offices. So we're very encouraged by what we're seeing on the retention side. We're not losing home care business because we don't have enough nurses and certified nursing assistants. So in that regard, I think we're doing well, but I think we do have an opportunity to be a good partner on some of the staffing business that we could do incrementally to the extent that we can further increase our recruitment and retention of nurses and certified nursing assistants. So tell us a little bit about this staffing piece that you just mentioned. Is this one of your new lines of business? I know your company has expanded to both Bright Star Care Homes and Bright Star Senior Living. Yeah, staffing's been part of our original business model since I founded it in 2002. So my original assertion is that the whole backbone of what we could deliver were going to be our caregivers. And in talking to many caregivers before I heavily got the brand going, like what would make you interested in home care? What are the risk factors of joining a home care organization? And many said that they love the work of one-on-one care, far easier than taking care of 10, 15 patients in a nursing home. But they never knew when a patient was going to die on home care and they had a family to take care of. And so that risk of not having a paycheck come in consistently was their concern about working for home care agencies versus working for a nursing home. 
And so from day one, I try to address that by going out and getting nursing home contracts on the staffing side, as well as doing as much as I could for moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas on the home care side, so that if we had a client pass away until we had another one ready to start, ideally I could take that great caregiver and plug them into a nursing home schedule so the combination of staffing and home care could keep our great caregivers working more consistently. So it's been there since the very beginning. Our recent foray in the last few years has been into care homes in partnership with a franchisee in the Boise area that wanted to pilot a smaller version of our assisted living model. I think with rising cost of capital, rising cost of construction, our larger 40 to 45 room Bright Star assisted living communities is a much bigger undertaking than the macroeconomics makes sense. And so a franchisee of ours in Boise saw an opportunity for something that maybe was smaller, 10 to 12 residents converting or building from scratch a residential home in a kind of residential community, came and toured our assisted livings, had access to all of our operations manuals, and took that and kind of tweaked the business model from 40 units down to 10 and all the changes that would come with that. There's six communities open in Boise, and then we have signed up an additional six franchisees in other states that have commitments for three communities each. So hopefully over the next couple of years, we'll have 30 to 35 of these communities across the country. Wow, that's very exciting. I would say that you're very diversified. Tell us, going back to home care, what services you offer and what may be on the horizon. Sure. I'd say that maybe just tagging off of the of the diversified, I think we've really tried to take the perspective of what are our consumers need and how can we be there to help them in their journey. And that, you know, I got into this business because I was looking for care for my grandmother. Last year, I was hands-on caregiver to my future mother-in-law as she, we lost her to cancer. And so I've always been a caregiver at heart. And so it's from that consumer place, what we saw with a good number of our seniors that have Alzheimer's or some form of dementia, at some point they might not be safe to be in a home on their own. And so the care homes were an extension of that, mostly memory care, to be able to meet our families where they are. And that continues to be our focus. I think within our brand, we're continuing to look at opportunities to diversify who pays for the care. I think some of the opening sessions here at HealthCare 100, we're talking about that consumers have less resources and are very price conscious, given the rate increases that had to go into effect in 21, 22, 23, because of raising labor costs as an input. And so thinking about that, there'll be less consumers with the ability to pay. And so how do we find diverse sources of funding that will allow more home care to occur. So we continue to be bullish on Medicare Advantage supplemental benefits. We've been in there from the very beginning. Unlike more of my competitors, we see it as an area that we have to be. It's not an area that all of our locations have been aligned to be a part of because it doesn't pay as well as private pay. But we are leaning into it from a company-owned perspective and we'll ferret that out and prove that out. Veterans Administration types of benefits, lots of national account opportunities where we can go sign up national infusion companies, national workers' comp companies, clinical trials. We were honored to be part of one of the COVID vaccinations and one of the COVID therapeutics because of our workforce across the country. And those are areas where we see continued growth in the future to allow our 
franchisees to fulfill and allow us to be able to go procure the business on their behalf. What is the breakdown in your home care business between infusion, home health, personal care? Uh, personal care is probably about 45 to 50% of our business model. Skilled business is probably about 25 to 30%, which would encapsulate some of the higher levels of workers' comp, infusion, utilizing nurses, and then other staffing, local contracts will make up the balance. Mm-hmm. There is so much talk about growing and finding new partners. Obviously, you are doing a lot and have had a lot of growth in recent years. What do you see maybe as the next big thing for you that's going to pay off? I think we're investing a lot of time and resources into hospital at home via partnerships. And I think that will continue to be an area of growth for us. It is a large investment because it usually requires customized vehicles in the local area. And so it is, can be you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of investment. And so we're making sure the ROI is there in addition to the growth opportunity. But so far, it is worth kind of leaning into. I think the skilled nursing facility alternatives have not yet taken off like they were expected to do. My hope will be that that will start to garner more attention and focus in the next couple of years and we'll lean into those type of opportunities as they present themselves. Mm -hmm. There has been a lot of talk at this conference about the imperative to innovate and create a consumer experience. How important do you think this is at this point in time? I think ensuring clinical quality is first. And then I think there's a holistic set of tools or communication vehicles that can expand the consumer experience. We have piloted some of those across the different areas of our network. I think what we have seen is that most consumers are willing to try some of the monitoring devices or some of the communication apps, but they're not yet willing or able to pay for them. And so whether those come into a bundle that payers pay for because they see the value in their outcomes data. I think it's still going to be more about the data. And then we just need to focus on making things easier for a client to start care. We put a lot of focus there. And then making sure that we're enabling them to live their best lives. And we're looking at that from our utilization uniquely of having a nurse, director of nursing, an RN, director of nursing in all of our locations across the country. And so utilizing that and technology for change of condition that's customized around diagnosis so that we can have our nurse intervene. So obviously we can ideally avoid a readmission into a hospital and keep quality of life higher for a consumer. That's where we're really focusing on the consumer experiences more in the quality of care and our clinical initiatives. And then we'll broaden that to some of the digital areas and communication as we continue to see a demand for that from consumers such that they're willing to pay for it. Right now, we're putting our extra dollars into our clinic. Mm -hmm. You are a big advocate in Washington. What are you working on these days? What issues are top of mind? I think it's continuing to make sure with the initiatives like hospital at home and supplemental benefits for Medicare Advantage that we recognize that there are organizations like ours that have been in hundreds of thousands of families' homes over the years and do a great quality job. We don't need to be Medicare certified to deliver that type of care. And I think there's actually a huge opportunity to focus on the 
patient versus paperwork in some of those lower skilled, lower acuity type of settings. And so continuing to advocate for that's very important. I'd say a lot of our advocacy is probably more at the state level versus federal level, making sure the full range of care is available to families and that certificate of need. Outdated laws and policies are not preventing skilled care access in certain states. Mm -hmm. What keeps you up at night? Of all the different issues we've talked about between workforce shortage and having to innovate partnerships. I think making sure that our communication is strong enough with our caregivers and our development programs are strong enough for our caregivers. I would echo some of the sentiments on one of the panels is how you drive customer satisfaction as you have really happy, delighted, engaged, loyal caregivers. And so having the focus be on them and making sure we're doing everything we can. We're inspiring our franchisees to do all they can to put the focus on recognizing, rewarding, and developing our caregivers that are on the front line. Without them, our seniors don't have great care and we don't have businesses. Speaking of franchisees, how do you sort of train someone who maybe has never been in this business, most likely has not, How do you catch them up on all these very important issues and get them started hitting the ground running? What's that process like? Yeah, we have an extensive amount of training. So our franchisees go through three weeks of training before they start. We also, for no incremental cost, train each of their key leaders. So their sales, their operations, and their clinical. So everyone's getting that investment. And then over the last six months, my chief operating officer has done an amazing job with his team, you know, kind of addressing this exact thing. It's kind of like drinking from a fire hose when you're learning a new business and it's changing so much. So all of our new franchisees are actually going through kind of a dedicated 27 month. So instead of just is common in our industry, you, you know, give incremental support to a brand new franchisee and new training for a few months. Now it's a 27 month kind of intentional process to not just deliver information, but to come back through and ensure there's an advancement from beginner to intermediate and to advanced so that they're able to be able to put into practice every single thing that they need to, to have an optimized business and ultimately to deliver great care in their community. Do you find with your franchisees that they sort of become a passionate advocate of the business as well after a certain period of time, or does it it just depend on the franchisee? 85% of our franchisees had a prior experience looking for care for their family members like I did. And I think once you've been through this home care journey that no one prepares you for and there's not easy resources to navigate once you're in it, I think you have such a huge appreciation for the adult daughters that are usually going through this for their families and you're passionate about making sure that you're delivering good care. And I see the same passion that I still have 21 years after founding in my franchisees. And I think that's the way it it should be. I mean, I very heavily screen. I'm still involved in every selection process for every franchisee that's joined my brand, you know, 21 years later. And, you know, one of the big things I'm asking them is don't just join because of demographics and that it should be a successful business economically. You need to be able to serve with passion. And that means taking on every single consumer, even if in the early days they don't make money. Like we need to be there to be able to say yes, both for the referral sources and for the families who need us to. And those that can meet that 
objective can meet that kind of criteria, they're the right franchisees to represent our brand. And if they don't, we're fine growing with those that we already have as part of our brand. We want the ones that are in it for the right reasons and to make a difference. Um, and that's what we want to do each and every day. Terrific. Well, this was such a enjoyable conversation. Shelly Sun, CEO and founder of Red Star Care. Thank you for listening to McKnight's Home Care Newsmakers podcast. For the latest in home care news, visit McKnight'sHomeCare.com.